Click, listen, enjoy. Broadcasting live worldwide. Thank you for tuning in to Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. You're listening to Talkline with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. Welcome back to the program. I'm Zev Brenner. Always a treat, always a privilege to have with us Harvard Law Professor Emeritus Alan Avi Dershowitz. So welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you. Yesterday was a momentous day, and I think the vast majority of people are misunderstanding what happened yesterday and what's happening today. Um, yesterday was a one-day event. Uh, a group of thugs uh, invaded the Capitol. They should be prosecuted. They did the wrong thing. They violated the law. They acted outside the Constitution, and they lost. They'll be prosecuted. A vote went against them. The president said there'll be a peaceful transition. That was yesterday. Today, we have seen great, great dangers to our Constitution. With Majority Leader Schumer and uh, Speaker of the House um, uh, Nancy Pelosi trying to break the Constitution, trying to destroy the Constitution. They're trying to destroy the First Amendment, freedom of speech. They're trying to destroy the 25th Amendment which limits removal of the president to mental or physical incapacity. They're trying to destroy the protection provided by the criteria for impeachment. They're doing far, far more damage to the Constitution than the thugs did yesterday. So my focus is on protecting the Constitution from Schumer, Pelosi, and others than on protecting the Capitol from thugs who were arrested and should be prosecuted. Now, they're saying the president is guilty of treason. Did he say anything at the rally that would in any way indicate that he's going against the United States, the Constitution, telling people oh. to violate? And oh. Just... Oh. Only an ignoramus or a fool would suggest that the president committed treason. Treason requires basically taking up arms against the government during a wartime. Um, it, it's so absurd, but it's so dangerous to uh, try to destroy the Constitution based on a one-day event. Uh, what happened yesterday has happened repeatedly throughout our history. Union leaders have incited violence. Anti-war professors incited violence. I represented one of them They named Bruce Franklin, who called for students to take over the computation center at Stanford. And you know, all the you know, people on the left supported that. Uh, Black Panthers, uh, others. Um, uh, involved in, in, in speeches that incited violence. Our Constitution is too important to be compromised by political opportunists. Um, you know, uh, President Trump is leaving office. Um, people can agree or disagree with his four years. That's up to politics. I'm not taking a position on that. I'm here to defend the Constitution against Democrats. Uh, against the left, against Schumer and Pelosi, and against those who unconstitutionally impeached him. I had the honor of defending the president against his removal on the Senate, and I have to tell you, if they try to impeach him or remove him under the 25th Amendment, I'd be there again defending not only him, but defending the United States Constitution against those who would tear it down. So let me be very clear. Pelosi and Schumer are far more dangerous to the Constitution 
than the thugs who broke into the Capitol yesterday. Now that the Democrats are in power, is this going to be the trend for the next four years at least? I'm going to fight it as hard as I fought it when Republicans were in power. I don't consider partisan politics. I fight I fight against it. I think that uh, uh, President-elect Biden so far has made terrific choices for his cabinet appointments. Merrick Garland is a wonderful uh, choice. I think his choice for Secretary of State, Secretary of Treasury, all seem like they're very good choices. They're moderates, they're centrists, they're not Pelosi, and they're not Schumer. Um, and if the Democrats keep uh, trying to destroy the Constitution, and leadership is doing that, uh, they're going to have to contend with centrist liberals like me and others. We're not going to stand for it, even though I'm a Democrat and a liberal Democrat. I'm not going to let the Democrats or liberals, people who call themselves liberals, uh, destroy our Constitution. Maybe I'm not listening properly, but are there other liberal voices such as yourself out there that are saying, hey, let's cool it, let's not blow this up into what it's not? I'm hearing you, but where are the other liberals? They're whispering to me. They're calling me on the phone and thanking me, as usual, for what I'm saying in public. But they don't have the courage to stand up uh, because, you know, Trump is so unpopular and what he did was so unpopular that people are, are terrified to stand up and say anything that's construed as in any way supportive of Trump. But I'm not afraid. And I'm going to continue to defend the First Amendment and the Constitution, as I have for my 60 years in public life. I'm not going to stop now because we have a president that of my friends and colleagues uh, don't like. I've gotten emails today from close friends, people I've known for uh, years, attacking me uh, because I'm uh, insufficiently uh, vocal about what happened on the Capitol. Yeah, I condemn what happened on the Capitol. I condemn those who did it. Uh, but I condemn those who would destroy our Constitution because they know better. They're smarter. And they're, more, they're better educated. And they're trying to destroy the Constitution for partisan purposes. And, uh, I will not remain silent in the face of that. Now, one thing I don't understand, was the, first of all, was the president correct in addressing the crowd yesterday? And the second part of the question is, is that there was a group of hooligans that broke in, and, and they should be prosecuted, but the majority of the people there were not that. Why are they making a bigger deal of that than, let's say, Black Lives Matters, where they have a big rally and some of them do damage and looting? Why is there a double standard? We should have a single standard uh, for everybody. Um, I think that there were two kinds of crimes, maybe more, committed yesterday. Trespassing, which is not a terribly serious crime, but trespassing people who just walked onto the Capitol uh, without permission. And uh, then a much more serious crime, those who occupied offices, those who destroyed property. And then, of course, there was the policeman. We don't know the circumstances, but the video I saw was very disturbing about the woman who was shot and killed. Uh, she didn't seem to be posing the kind of immediate physical danger to life that would justify uh, shooting her in a lethal manner and causing her death. So I think all of those have to be investigated. But the idea of holding public figures responsible for their speeches is so violative of the First Amendment. You know, I wrote a letter that I bought some years ago at the Argosy Bookstore in New York. Uh, it's a letter handwritten by Thomas Jefferson on the eve of the 25th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. It was written the evening of July 3rd, uh, 1801, uh, when the president uh, was just beginning his service in office. And he was asked his opinion about whether the Constitution permits punishing a public figure who made a speech that may have uh, 
uh, resulted in violence. And he wrote a very strong letter, which I have hanging on my wall, and I wrote a book about it called Finding Jefferson, uh, in which he says, no, you don't punish the speaker. You punish the actor. You punish the person who acted. Uh, and as long as we're ready to punish the first physical acts, we shouldn't be going after the speakers, because that violates the core of our freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And I believe that today, as Thomas Jefferson believed it 220 years ago. But did the president's speech yesterday incite violence? Was he encouraging violence? They're making it seem First that First of all, is. incitement is a very technical term. Incitement requires that you directly call for the criminal act to be committed. He didn't do that. Uh, would I have made the speech he made? No, I wouldn't have made the speech he made. Um, um, and that's a political issue. And one can decide who to vote for, who to vote against, uh, what party to be a member of, based on things like that. But I'm an expert on the Constitution. I'm an expert on the First Amendment. And it was completely within the protection of the First Amendment. No constitutional scholar who is unbiased will tell you that uh, he violated the Supreme Court's rules in Brandenburg versus Ohio and other Supreme Court decisions which define the limits of freedom of speech. Uh, no, what he did was well within the protection of the First Amendment. And what the senators, many of whom I disagree with, said on the floor of the Senate and the members of the House, many of whom I disagree with, they too were protected not only by the First Amendment but by the speech and debate clause of the Constitution itself. So, you know, we shouldn't be putting blame on people. I'll give you an analogy. You all remember when a magazine in France, Charlie Hebdo, uh, ran cartoons of Mohammed, knowing full well that it might provoke violence, and it did, and, and the violence came to them. The magazine editors uh, were killed. Uh, and some people said it was the fault of the magazine. No, the magazine was acting within its free speech rights. It was the fault of the murderers, the terrorists, the killers. And the other thing we shouldn't do is elevate what happened yesterday in the Capitol. We shouldn't use words like sedition or treason. Uh, it was a riot. It was violent. It was bad enough. But it wasn't anything like sedition or a coup or an attempt to overthrow the government. We're much closer to a coup when you get the leaders of the House and the Senate calling for the invocation of the 25th Amendment when they know the 25th Amendment was designed for people like Ronald Reagan when they're shot and unconscious, or people like uh, Woodrow Wilson who had had a stroke, or James Forrestal who was so mentally ill that he hallucinated that the Russians were attacking America. He was you know, clinically schizophrenic. Uh, none of those attributes characterize the current president of the United States and um, attempts to remove him from office illegally, unconstitutionally, come closer to filling the definition of a coup than what happened in Capitol Hill yesterday. Professor Darcy, before I let you go, I'm very much bothered by Twitter, Facebook, and other social media that shut the president up. That He couldn't even do right. his videos saying that, hey, let's calm down the violence. They wouldn't let. Do they have such power? Does the Constitution hold muster? They're like a federal agency. So... What's going well, on? Well, that's the question. The question is whether they are covered by the First Amendment or not. Look, um, you know, I have a, a, a podcast every day. I talked about this on my podcast today. It's called The Dirt Show. The only thing that's missing is the wits, and that's provided by the viewers and listeners. But what I'm so proud of is The Dirt Show is carried on Rumble. You know what Rumble is? Yes, it's, it's a competitor another platform. YouTube. Uh -huh. But it doesn't censor. It doesn't censor. It doesn't have standards and policies 
that say this is good, this is bad, this will censor, this we don't. That's why I went on Rumble, because I don't believe that they are within their rights under federal statute 230, uh, which gives them exemption and immunity, if they act like publishers rather than platforms. So I am very, very critical of the way um, the social media have dealt generally with controversial speech, and particularly by banning the tweets of the President of the United States. When he announced today that there will be a peaceful transition and his term is ending, which were very important announcements, he couldn't announce them on Twitter in his own name. He had to announce them through somebody else. That's how bad this kind of censorship has gotten. So what, and, can, we do, what uh, can we do about it? Because it's not just him. I know plenty of people that had posts taken off, but there was nothing offensive because the censors decided well, we that they wouldn't allow it. Developing, we have to start developing alternate platforms that don't censor. That's why I'm a big supporter of Rumble and, and others that don't censor. Also, there are going to be hearings in front of Congress. I will probably testify uh, about whether or not you can impose conditions or constraints on platforms as before they get the benefit of not being able to be sued. Uh, they shouldn't be able to both have immunity from lawsuits and at the same time be able to pick and choose what they put on their platforms. That's just not consistent with the spirit of the First Amendment. But right now they can get away with it unless there's some new regulations or rules. Is that what I'm hearing? That the only well, there are going to be some lawsuits. You know, in, in, in my podcast, I purposely and deliberately had Joel Pollack on because uh, uh, YouTube said they would not allow any videotapes to go up. Um, if anybody said that the election was unfair or stolen. And uh, I, I don't personally believe that, but Joel Pollack does. He wrote a book about it. So I had him on my show, and I had him deliberately violate the standards of YouTube. And I issued a challenge to YouTube. Take me down. Take my podcast down. And if you do, I'll sue you. But they didn't take me down, so I have no opportunity to sue them. But I think people should sue if their uh, content is taken down selectively, and it is selective, because they don't take down all false statements, only ones they disagree with. Professor Alan Dershowitz, thank you for being with us. Thank you for being the champion of free speech and for a voice out there that should be heard. I think everything that we're happening today is so partisan. It's just uh, the whole country has changed. Our freedoms mm -hmm. have been really limited, I think, in the last number of years, especially by I Big Tech. I agree with that. Well, we have to fight back, and your show helps to fight back, so thank you for inviting me on it. Thank you. Harvard Law Professor Alan Avi Dershowitz here on the TalkLine Network. We're going to be right back. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please become a fan of TalkLine with Zeb Brenner on Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+, and YouTube. On Twitter at TalkLine Network, if you have an Android phone, please download our free app in the Google Store. For iPhones, download the Jewish Radio app. Of course, tune in 24 hours a day at TalkLineCommunications.com for nonstop Jewish broadcasting. TalkLine Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the TalkLine network and TalkLine's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100, or email info at talklinenetwork.com.
Thank you for listening to Talk Line Network, America's leading Jewish radio and TV network since 1981. This concludes Jewish programming for tonight. For continuous, non-stop Jewish broadcasting, please go right now online to TalkLineCommunications.com. For more information on all of TalkLine's Jewish radio and TV shows, please call 212-769-1925 or email info at TalkLineCommunications.com.